When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? episode 75 this is the jamie episode jamie. if if they had a jamie a jamie baby a jababy <laughs> a jababy <laughs> all right we can shall have... we <laughs> we shall so today's episode is called duggers underwater and it mm. premiered march 2nd 2010 okay the episode begins with lego and canon visiting baby josie She's 39 days old now and has been off the ventilator for a few days and is now getting breast milk through her feeding tube. Mm -hmm. They're also able to reach in and touch her a little bit now. Previously, they stimulated her as little as possible. So even nurses would try to go like four hours between touching her for vital checks and diaper changes and things like that. Mm -hmm. So this is a big step that they can touch her a little bit. And Michelle is even able to give her like a light kiss. Yeah. So... That's nice. Um, they unwrapped her hands. Yeah. So you can see her little feeners. Little tiny little feeners. Mm-hmm. And she's sucking a patsy now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, and <laughs> I was a little surprised, Tim, to hear Cannon call her kitten. Did she call you her kitten? You didn't hear it? No. Okay. So I don't know. I just, I did not see it coming. There's huh. nothing. Call, call her kitten. I don't care. Just didn't see it coming. Yeah. And Interesting. Because she said, Oh, Joe's. Oh, kitten. Oh. Now, here's a here's a square discussion. We have a nicknames square. That's true. Which is yeah. something where I think we were, you know, when we hear Jamesy Bug, when we hear Jilly Muffin, or even like the one time, it's only been one time, but like the one time we heard Jin Jin. Jin Jin, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you were the one that heard it. Yeah, that's um, when they were getting on the horses. Yeah, and I was mm. like, oh, I didn't hear that one. So I our intention was for when that comes up. And I'm not sure kitten sticks because I don't remember it, mm-hmm. but I say it's a nickname. What do you say? Yeah, okay. go with it. I don't. I mean, maybe it's not specific, but also this child is so young that nicknames change. You know. Are you having the stress now? Oh, very. <laughs> God, I'm like, keep talking, Tim. Keep talking. I'm. Looking. I know. I left you out to dry. <laughs> Yeah. We won't even edit out the pause so you guys can hear how he just no, left me No, it was good. I, just, I literally watched her struggle. He just left me hanging. <laughs> so as we mentioned in a previous episode, Joseph and JD stayed back at Legoland. Mm-hmm. So from the hospital, Lego calls John David, asking them to check in on one of their properties because a pipe burst or something like that. And somebody let them know. So he asked them um, to go fix it. More on this later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Now flash over to the Cornish house. Jill is getting ready to make dinner and Jamesy Bug walks up excitedly, interrupting as Jill talks to the camera and says, Jill, they said we didn't have any more, but look what I found. As he walks up with one of the gigantic jars of pickles Joy had hoisted into the cart last episode. (laughs) So we get a pickle square. This is getting worse. It's getting worse. (laughs) You're doing it to yourself. (laughs) My heart is racing. Exactly. Oh. Reluctantly crouched at the bingo card. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Okay. So nice. Um. Another pickle square, which is two episodes in a row. I know. We're roll. It had been a while before these two. Mm-hmm. Like, even into last season, it was Slim Pickles. Like, yeah, there was not a lot of pickle action. I see what you did there. Thank you. Um, so Jill responds to James saying, maybe we should have those after dinner for dessert. <laughs> Duggar dessert. Uh, Duggar dessert, yeah. <laughs> but what's even funnier is when James came in with the pickles, they flashed the word pickles with like exclamation points they're like flashing <laughs> yeah, it on the yeah. screen and then there was a pop-up box that's, that says that they eat like 150 jars a year but yeah. it was like flashing pickles that's so many <laughs> and they don't specify the size of jars that's true because we saw the clausens we saw the jumbo i mean there's a lot of going on so the younger boys are helping jill make dinner and jamesy bug is supposed to be peeling potatoes mm-hmm but homeboy is struggling to keep a hold of those potatoes. Yep. <laughs> He's peeling them over the trash can and he keeps dropping them inside. Yep. Which I will say, in professional kitchens, that is a big no-no. Yeah, you're not allowed peeling to Peeling over the... Because exactly what happens is going to happen. You're going to drop things into the trash, you know. Yeah. But I have to say, I'm a teeny, tiny bit impressed with Jamesy Bug. Okay. Because of the fact that he stops and says, Jill, are you going to wash these? Yeah, that's true. Like, that kind of surprised me. I didn't expect James to give a shit, quite honestly. I thought he would drop it in the trash and be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But he's like, you're washing these, right? So, good on you, Jamesy bug. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of funny because in a talking head, James and Justin are paired up as a duo. Mm-hmm. And Justin says, he was a really good help. <laughs> and James goes, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like even yeah, he knows. Shade, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's himself. I know. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> it's even he was like, mm. Mm, was <laughs> I? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. He's like, it's mm. hilarious. <laughs> For dinner, they're having Hormel chili over noodles, mashed mm-hmm. potatoes, only been dropped in the garbage a few times, <laughs> corn and green beans. And Jill says, with a toddler on her hip while she says this, by the mm. way. I think it's good to be able to learn these skills, being a homemaker, learning all these, to learn them now before I have my own family. It's a joy and it's really neat. Oh, honey. (laughs) I mean, you can enjoy it, but the point is you're not just like getting to just try these skills out. You're expected to to utilize these skills. (laughs) And realistically, in in that system, that's her lot in life. Yep, literally. So it's not like, you said it's not like cool we're gonna we're gonna learn a new skill set or we're gonna do it no this is like what you this is your ceiling this is why you're here Mm -hmm. and we get a ginger face square (laughs) um i'll wait um (laughs) because in a talking head she says she needs time to find it. i do 
as long as the kids have good intentions when they're helping us, it's all good. But after she says that, she goes to, okay, I'm describing it as like straight mouth, but mushed together. So if you're that emoji with a straight line Mm -hmm. for a mouth, but a little bit more mushy, where you're kind of pursing your lips together, but mush style, but straight. Okay. (laughs) And then she rolls her eyes to the side. Okay. I hope everybody can envision that. Visual status, yeah. (laughs) There's also a cute moment with our dancing king. He's also on potato peeling duty. Mm. And everyone's kind of wild in the moment. Hanny is banging a potato on the counter, mm-hmm. saying she's trying to break it open. Jennifer is like running around in grocery bags. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, she had taken two of them and then yeah. Is this is this a feral child moment? Oh, we could. Cuz yeah. that's how I felt where it was like Jill's trying to talk about these things and then all these kids are running amok. Yeah. Amok, amok, amok. Yeah, I hadn't even done that. But yeah, no, I think that works. Feral child. <laughs> but um, apparently Jackson has had enough of this behavior. Because <laughs> he's standing there peeling his potatoes and he yells out, Don't be acting silly, guys! <laughs> it's cute. Random side note. Um, but during a scene, because it's really not... <laughs> when they're playing outside, um, I other- otherwise this wouldn't be worth bringing up because they're just kind of quickly playing okay. but jamesy bug is wearing a headlamp and i just gotta say i have never looked at a headlamp the same way ever since our like before the wedding night episode mm, yeah i'll never <laughs> not imagine john david strapping on a headlamp before diving under the covers to check if abby is wine colored yet the the right color yeah mm-hmm. so uh, when he had that on, I'm like, I cannot look at a headlamp the same. Like, I had to put one on to get our blow molds in and out of the attic. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I, I, I chuckle to myself every time. <laughs> so John, David, and Joe arrive at the property um, that has the leak. And it's actually a property that Lego has only had for five months that they use for their home church space now instead of the tater top mansion. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this at all, actually. Okay. I guess it's more central, like centrally located for the 10 families involved in their home church. Mm -hmm. And there's clearly like a kid's room, like playroom or like Mm -hmm. there's a rocking chair. So like sit and nurse or like whatever. But it has a bare mattress on the ground. So it's giving like (laughs) major crack den vibes because otherwise (laughs) this house is like fairly empty. Like the living room has like weirdly angled and lined up folding chairs. Because it's the only way they could fit that many Ten families like, in, yeah. That many, and there's not enough for everybody. It's no. very clear. And then, so it's just, it really does give like crack den because there's like barely anything in this house. And then there's... And the then stuff there's, that's there is odd. And in yeah. Order, yeah. So then there's like a, a bare mattress next to like a race car bed. <laughs> so that adds, <laughs> that like adds like this layer of weirdness that you're yeah. like, what is going on here? But listen, we are no... We are no strangers to the heroin den look ourselves. Like, we talked about it. Like, mm-hmm. our mattress was on the floor for a while. <laughs> well, and it was because for a long time we had it on box springs. Yeah. And there's something about it being on box springs versus the floor where I'm like, I can deal. 
you know you make the bed and people can't really tell you know what i mean yeah. like you make the bed it's like whatever it looks the same it looks the same as just being on those metal frames that don't have a box spring right it looks the fucking same yeah so it didn't bother me that bad but then i got us a new mattress that was a cal like a king is in our oldest california king so then like the box springs didn't really work but then yeah. we also gave away the mattress and box springs to somebody mm -hmm. we knew so for a long time we had our mattress on the floor and i was like oh man i'm like <laughs> we look i'm like we look like we're like 19 all we need <laughs> is like that very specific uh black office chair in here you know <laughs> and i'm like and then we're like set but i don't think so i remember telling people that but i don't think we ever told everybody that up like barely six months ago we upgraded we're finally full-fledged adults now we have like <laughs> an adult bed yep it's wood and everything Mm-hmm. what do they call those style of uh and table things what do they call those things are you talking about like the end the the way that those uh end tables slide oh i don't know i don't know what they call that but oh. we, we have our bed has attached I went for, I was going for like a 70s kind of look. Mm -hmm. And when I, I could not afford like a legit like 70s um, <laughs> bed that has the attached nightstands. Yeah. So I had, I kept, I kept my eye on one style of bed that's on like six different websites. Like mm -hmm. literally they all sell the same shit. And right. I just kept waiting for one of them to go like on sale. And that's what I finally did. But it's got attached nightstands. And it's kind of weird though, because the drawers don't open the way a drawer does. The entire top moves. So the drawer right. portion stays stationary and the top and it's part the top slides. that comes out. Mm -hmm. It's 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 interesting. But I, I like our bed. Yeah. It's cool. It matches the style that we were looking at. And yeah. We're adults. Yep. We uh moved on from the crack den. <laughs> Any hoozle. Um, I also feel like this house is more evidence of that TLC money coming in. Oh yeah. Last week it was evidenced by the mound of beef jerky the Doug girls bought. <laughs> This week, it's that they have enough money to buy a separate home church. Mm -hmm. Literally, home yep. church. They can just go buy one. Yep. So, the leak is coming from the well house. They don't have a key to the lock, so they cut it off. The segment is kind of the opportunity for in them and talking heads and stuff to talk about how handy John David is. Yep. Lego says he's taught him everything he knows, but that he's learned a lot from other people as well. And once he sees something once, he like he's got it. Mm-hmm. So as John is fixing this leak, he's using a sledgehammer. So he keeps spraying the camera lens with like mud, like the lens with mud and like the crew is getting muddy and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And this is okay. So we have a OG snarkers square mm -hmm. where the intention is to mark it off. Anytime we feel like production is snarking on the family mm -hmm. and we haven't gotten a chance to mark it off yet. But in this scene, I feel like they're kind of just snarking on their own agree because on the screen it says scott enlow extremely high maintenance cameraman <laughs> yeah. so can it i think so i mean i know we meant it to be directed towards the subject but i feel like it still fits as snark by production so i agree do you want me to pause for a minute and a half so you can find the square yes because i messed up my board too oh my goodness Back in Little Rock, the rest of the Duggars are heading out to visit the USS Razorback submarine. Mm -hmm. And we get a, it's the free space, but we get a double phone belt clips. Mm -hmm. Did you notice? There was one in the John David scene when he was, uh, when he was smacking that 
uh, sledgehammer. So at one point, I was looking at Joe even way earlier, and I'm like, "Did Joe have a have a cell phone? It's a knife. So he's got a knife on his belt clip. Mm-hmm. And then I must have missed John David's, but I I because it's when he's on the fo- it's so- <laughs> he's on the phone talking to who I believe is somebody who worked on the on that house before asking where a breaker is and then when he finds it he puts his phone back oh yeah you're right you're right he holsters that thing real hard and he did have a yeah it was if he would have spun it if it was a western movie and then (laughs) do you feel like joe's like i don't have a cell phone yet so let me carry my knife like you you gotta have something on that hip whether it be a laptop (laughs) or a phone or a knife but lego has two phones on his belt clip this episode Mm. two and you see it when they're getting out of the van which i'll get to in like a second the more of that scene but and then we see it up close when they're actually climbing down into the submarine it's like Ah. zoomed in on two (laughs) phones um any so as they're piling out of the van instantly our girl says daddy i don't want to go on the boat because it's too scary for me (laughs) the way she says like me yeah lego's holding her hand as they walk and the whole time she says, I don't want to go on the boat. <laughs> and when it comes time to actually climb down the ladder inside, Hanny loses her shit. Freaks the shit out. But I don't blame her one bit. <laughs> I went on the Nemo submarine ride one single time at <laughs> Disneyland. And I was trying to not lose my shit myself. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not like it at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think of myself as typically being super claustrophobic. Like, I don't think of that. Like, I don't think that's something that normally is, like, a, a general day-to-day fear. Mm-hmm. But, man, that was too much for me. <laughs> no, thank you. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. I didn't like... She was freaking out. I don't like how close you are to the little window. I don't mm-hmm. like the teeny, tiny little benchy thing you're sitting on. I don't like feeling the person directly next to me, directly behind me. No, thank you. Uh, not a fan of the Nemo. So they have Hanny stay back with Grandma, and they start the tour. And then, out of nowhere, our girl starts climbing down the ladder with a big-ass smile on her face. Yep, she came through. Like, nothing ever happened. Totally unbothered. <laughs> happy as a fucking clam. Grandma to the rescue. Know. Yep. And um, just happy as can be. So I was thinking this could be an our, our girl Johanna score. She just needed a minute. I mean, a little bit to... To compose herself, you know? I don't blame her. but And I love the way she climbed down the ladder. Like, nothing was a problem. Like, she was a fucking hero. Like, she was just like... <laughs> she's like, I have arrived. And she just she just crawls down fast. And she's mm-hmm. smiling. It was great. And our favorite little duo, uh, Talking Head, Dancing King says, and she was smart. So he noticed the same thing. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. why it was so funny. And I was like, oh, look at her smile. And he says the same thing. Uh... Jackson says, and she was smiling, and she was bouncing, and you were about to get embarrassed. <laughs> and she's like staring at him while he says it, and she like kind of nods a little bit. They're hilarious. Yeah, I love them. So that pretty much sums it up. They get the tour, and it's cool, but there's not really stuff that I feel is worth recapping as far as them goes. And I didn't want to sit here and just rattle off like they fit in. 80 people and they ate 20 to 25 at a time and the eating area was also the recreation area like you guys don't give a shit they just talked about like how it felt like their bus and like the sleeping quarters like that was it yeah not a lot to say this this episode kind of felt a little like um look at look at what they're getting up to in little rock is kind of how it felt a little bit yeah 
Whitney and I talked about felt like little like vignettes of like other just things just they're random doing. Shit. Yeah. And it's funny, it's the namesake um to the episode. Duggar's underwater. Mm-hmm. Because it's a pretty short minor segment, like just shoved in at the very end. <laughs> but actually, come to think of it right now, in the moment, Duggar's underwater could be referring to the leak as well. Yeah. Okay, so they combine both of them, and they're like, yeah. Duggar's underwater because of this leak and the submarine. Oh, yeah. I'm with you, TLC. <laughs> I get it. Took a little to work it out, but you I, figured it out. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, it was a definitely that it felt like a... I told Winnie it felt a little archaic just because it was the era of TV where it was like, let's just follow these people when they're doing random things. Very random shit. Not like, yeah. not like a fully formed like storyline. Yeah. I did notice a handful of times. Now, obviously, this isn't a, a like a dramatic TV show. This isn't, you know, a fictional, you know, TV show. This is them following people around. So there's a level of like how the sausage is made that people know. But there's a lot of microphones in the frame. Dude, I saw that. I didn't write. You were right. I had the same thought, too. And I was like just hanging over the top. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah. like it was in multiple scenes. It was like you just maybe they had a new uh, mic person. They spent the money elsewhere. They were like, we can't edit this out. This person's new. Where was Sandman Jim? Exactly. He would never. Uh, it was very funny. <laughs> so, maybe they had him on the maybe they had him on the the A roll group. Maybe yeah. this was like the B roll Mike yeah. Man that was a maybe doing he's very not. Well. Yeah, that's true. Um, so six official squares, seven being the m- middle. No bingos. Mm-hmm. I was one away. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I the best I got was three. So I was I was missing. So I got our girl Johanna the belt clip. Feral child, ginger face, and I was missing over their head. I was miss. I could have, if I'd gotten over their head in Lego hands. Yeah, I, I thought we would sh- for sure get. There wasn't a lot of Lego in this episode. Yeah, I mean, we're not upset. We ain't mad. Yeah. But- <laughs> All right, so I think that's it. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, in a funny, another little coincidence of timing where... The podcast lines up to stuff in a funny way. About an hour before we started recording just now, we got a comment on Instagram that somebody was like, hey, another funny timeline coincidence. January is blood donation month. And I was like, well, what do you <laughs> fucking know? Funny. You might get a little teddy bear if you're I, the bravest. I hope we do. Okay. So today's dig is a pickle people's pick. I gave. I like to do it every once in a while. It's fun every few months or so. To give them a couple options, and this was the winner. We are going to be discussing black and white thinking. Your beginning made me think of Peter Piper. It was hard to say. The old school commercial for Peter Piper Pizza was Peter Piper Pizza. It's the pizza people pick. Mm-hmm. 
and pickle people pick i did pretty Ooh, i did that pretty good that was pretty fast i'm impressed so black and white thinking is a common theme that we've seen throughout this podcast as we discuss various topics at length Mm -hmm. we've seen it very clearly in play but it's actually more than just a byproduct of their teachings the actual concept of black and white thinking is specifically taught to start us off i'm going to be referring to an iblp text called Discerning God's Will in Every Decision. Right off the bat, Billy G. tells us there's a big problem in the world. And I'm going to read you most of it word for word because, oh, is it worth it? It's horrific. (laughs) Well, worth it. It, It's not horrific. It's just worth it. Okay. There's more horrific things. The explosion of youth crime, drugs, gangs, domestic violence, broken marriages, unwed mothers, sexually transmitted diseases, and a host of other social tragedies can be traced directly to the removal of an absolute standard of right and wrong. Juvenile judges, shocked at children's lack of understanding about right and wrong after committing heinous crimes, are calling the youth of our day the morally flat generation. Youth violence escalated to epidemic proportions when the Bible was removed from the public school classrooms by secularly influenced court decisions. In its place, school children were taught that human beings are only higher forms of animals that somehow evolved. Side note, they're salty. They're just pumped to bring those things up whenever they can, right? Mm -hmm. Like taking the Bibles and prayers out of school and that that, uh, evolution malarkey too. like. Anywho, is old back to it. In its place, school children were taught that human beings are only higher forms of animals that somehow evolves and that they should learn to think in terms of situational ethics, which meant they must figure out for themselves when it is right to steal or kill. I must have been absent that day in school. <laughs> like I don't. I went to public school and I missed that too. I don't remember that part being part of the part of the curriculum. The I must have missed the figuring out when it's right to lie steal or kill day like true yeah must have missed it sounds like a good day at school (laughs) so continuing the quote the gun the governor of one state made the startling true observation we take the bible away from children when they enter the school and give it back to them when they enter prison end quote a bit dramatic a hundred percent a bit so that's why i wanted to read it all because it's full of drama theatrical so he's told us about this big problem right this explosion of crime and sex coming from this morally flat generation Mm -hmm. which morally flat actually sticks out to me as a decent roast if i agreed with it (laughs) i don't but it's kind of funny okay morally flat (laughs) it's like it reminds me of D &D, like alignments where you're like chaotic neutral (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, morally flat. Morally flat, yeah. (laughs) So that's the problem at hand. This morally flat generation is left figuring out when it's okay and not okay to, you know, kill and steal. And now Billy G is here to enlighten us with the cause of these problems, which he says is this. The law of God and the Ten Commandments have been replaced with the realm of the amoral. In this realm, things are neither good nor evil, but neutral. This result is a gray area between good and evil in which people must decide for themselves what is right and wrong. 
in in the world this realm is secularism in the church it is anti against nomian law rationalism man's reason so i just wanted to give you some uh various dictionary definitions of this just so it's more in plain terms for the word antinomian so the oxford english dictionary says denial of any requirements to follow the moral law Miriam Webster uh, says one who holds that under the gospel dispensation of grace, the moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary to salvation. And finally, let's hear from Britannica doctrine, according to which Christians are freed by grace from the necessity of obeying the Mosaic law. The antinomians rejected the very notion of obedience as legalistic to to them. The good life flowed from the inner working of the Holy spirit. The point being, in a nutshell, Bill Gothard is saying that gray areas lack morals. So here's what's funny. As I'm researching, sometimes I insert things as I'm still reading through a text. And then I can go back later to edit, take out, whatever. But it's just, I just do it so I won't forget. Mm. So on my own at this point, I stop to pull up those definitions from various dictionaries. You know, just to get more layman's terms, right? Well, what do you know? In the very next paragraph, (laughs) he starts it off with, this is not new to the doctrine in the church. Noah Webster's American Dictionary of the English Language, 1828, <laughs> defines an antinomian as one of a sect who maintain that under the gospel dispensation, the law is of no use or obligation or who hold, who hold doctrines which supersede the necessity of good works and a virtuous life. So I just kind of chuckled at that because <laughs> I stopped yeah. and I'm like, let me go get some dictionary definitions. And he did the same thing. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the gallstones dig where I cited the Mayo Clinic for the the like DIY gallstone expelling. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he also cited the Mayo Clinic, but for something else that was like pro or like whatever. Yeah. But I can't remember exactly what it was now, but I remember being like, oh, that's funny. Like I stopped and went and got this source. And then later on, like, there you go, just the funny. Source, yeah. Um, Bill points to Greek dualism as the start of this with a visual of two ovals. The Greek dualism one is divided into two sections. The top section is titled higher plane and under it, it reads sacred things pertaining to the spiritual. And then the lower section is called lower plane and reads secular things pertaining to the physical and temporal music, art, medicine, business. Under this, he says, quote, by relegating God to an upper realm, people felt free to make up their own rules about things in life. Indeed, Socrates taught his students to create their own definitions of character qualities. We know how he feels about character qualities, <laughs> such as justice and truth. They arrived at their own at their conclusions by human reasoning. Um, so this is all opposite to an oval that is not sectioned off into different realms, but rather says God's control, all things for his glory, enlists art, music, education, recreation, business, marriage, medicine, agriculture, eating, drinking, literature, clothing, etc. Wow. So he says this is God's design and that all things fall under the authority of God. Expanding further by saying, quote, it is true there are, there are things within God's world that are sacred because they are especially dedicated to him. There are also things in this life that are not technically sacred. However, they are all under God's control 
to be used according to his design. These things that are used according to God's design and under the direction of the Holy Spirit are good. It's so funny because growing up, we always said Holy Ghost. Really? Did you always say? What did you say? Um, Throughout my time being in Catholicism, it was both. Um, But the term ghost seems like an older translation because very traditional Catholic Mexicans usually have issues with the paranormal. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that like ghosts is there, ghost. they usually change. I the, don't like ghosts. I don't like ghosts. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the word ghost is a little iffy when yeah. it comes to traditional Catholic Mexicans. So usually it's spirit. And then the modern translation in Spanish is spirit. It's just funny for me because I grew up, it was always Holy Ghost. So even reading a quote, my mind, even though spirit is next, my mind goes ghost. And I have to like quickly correct mm-hmm. to spirit like every fucking time. Like it's because <laughs> I'm like trying to read it for what it is. Yeah. But I'm like, God damn it. My head just goes to various versions of the Christmas Carol. Mm, yeah. Because I, I hear Scrooge McDuck's version of um, going spit it. When he's like at the end, he's all scared in his bed. Um, Spit it. And then Whitney and I always reference a blob of mustard because it makes me laugh. A blob of mustard. A blob of mustard. All right. I'm going to try to get it right this time. (laughs) I'm still in this quote, okay? Things that are used according to God's design and under the direction of the Holy Spirit are good. The same things, if used contrary to God's design and in conflict with the Holy Spirit, are evil. This is, in fact... The distinction between good and evil. So this kind of gives you some background. Now let's really get into it with a section titled Reject the False Concept of Gray Areas. Okay. Really laying it out there. Damn. He starts off by saying that the philosophy of gray areas, which is always in uh, like quotations because, you know, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The philosophy of gray areas contradicts the Bible and is false reasoning and that, quote, any areas we consider gray will be revealed as good or evil when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I I at least hope, at the very least, I hope that the big reveal is like game show style or something. <laughs> okay. Like maybe like Price is Right. Mm-hmm. Where like Drew Carey is there, and you have to make your guess—is it black or white? And then Drew Carey like hits a big button, and it like reveals it. Do you know what that? What that would at least. And then there's that um, there's that very specific noise when you get it wrong. What is it like? Bump, oh, the sad trombone. Yeah. Some of my favorite movie or like music tags from any show. I I imagine. I hope that's what happens. Um, but at least maybe he'd be there to be like, oh, it was black. But you get to spin the wheel right after this. Like, you know, I'm hoping that that's... You didn't win this prize, but you're still going to the showcase. Yeah. <laughs> so is there is that's the big showcase. Whether you go or not to the final. Yeah. That's Yeah, you spin the wheel mm-hmm. to find out if you're going, if you win the showcase or not. Heaven and hell. There you go. Drew Carey's running it all. <laughs> No, actually, up Bob Barker is taking care of it for now. Because he's up there. Yes, because he's up there managing it. Well, they said which one is about 
you know, things that are here on this plane. <laughs> yeah. So Drew Carey's in charge of this one. It's the here. Bob Barker's taking care of it up there. Bob has that super long stick microphone where the microphone was just a little marble. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, and I, then he keeps talking about spaying and neutering your pets, you know. I used to walk around with a marker. <laughs> you know, there, there's those skinny markers. There's the fat markers, and then there's the long skinny ones yeah. that have, like, the ribbed uh, cap. Mm-hmm. I used to walk around with the dried out uh, ribbed cap marker to be Bob Barker. <laughs> and he hoozled. Did you talk a lot about spaying and neutering pets? <laughs> you know, here and there. Yeah. I was really into Plinko, you know. I was all about that. Uh the mountain climber one. Oh, yo, yep, it's good stuff. Okay, so where am I? I don't know, but Mildred takes offense to the fact that they say there's no gray areas. I know, I know. Oh, because no, oh, so we were just talking about like you'll find out at judgment. Um, I feel like my intake would be very long <laughs> because I believe a lot of things in life to be very gray. Mm-hmm. Mildred. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I think my. <laughs> I'll have a very long intake. <laughs> so you'd be at so you'd be at judge's table for a yeah, long time. Very long time. If Padma was there, she'd be like, We have a lot to discuss. <laughs> yep. Okay. Next thing. Um, he says, quote, It is true, there are many decisions in life that are not clearly right or wrong. Many are not directly spoken of in scripture and must be left to our own spiritual discernment. So if he's admitting Sometimes things aren't clearly right or wrong and are, aren't always directly in scripture. Then what? Well, you know, he's always got answers. <laughs> he gives two factors that turn gray areas into good or evil. He says the first factor is to get guidance from the Holy Spirit. Ghost if you're me. <laughs> and the second is whether you are motivated by genuine love or from selfish desires. Saying, okay. quote... There is certainly nothing that appears to be wrong with giving money to the poor or sacrificing oneself to the, for the Lord. Yet if these actions are not motivated by genuine love, they fail the test of being good. Which that second one had me thinking for a little bit. Okay. There is a part of me that sees and understands how doing something with the seemingly good end result like doing that for, but doing it for selfish reasons or from some other motivation is weird. Like it makes me think of all those fucking weird videos that pe- where people insist on recording themselves, like giving people money, mm-hmm. giving, giving people food, you know, like mm-hmm. they just have to record it all. And it's, could you fucking not? Yeah. Like, I hate that shit. Like from that angle, I see how it puts a damper on things and puts a cloud over it because it feels like it's, more for the recognition than it is for the mm-hmm. actual act. So that's the part of me that gets it. But I think calling it evil is fucking extra. It's a stretch. That's yeah. fucking extra <laughs> as fuck. But but I think that's ex- that's expected. That's a running theme around here. Mm-hmm. I may not agree with their motivations behind it, but to deem it evil is just... I feel like that's a knee-jerk reaction too, though, because I... I... In my experience with with people that don't see gray area, I feel like it's really easy to change your opinion as as somebody from outside 
by calling something evil. Because if you're, especially in you're in a in a religious context, that's a really easy like trigger word. Oh yeah. To make people go, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it must be serious if they're using the word evil. Evil. Yeah. And you and I have seen that. You know exactly what I I'm talking about. I know who you're thinking of. It's, it's people that post these things, and it's it's easy for them to fake outrage and then say this person is so evil evil yeah that's exactly how it feels <laughs> that's how yep. i hear it every time mm-hmm. i read it yeah i just think there's a lot of actions and behaviors and even people in this world that cannot be great yeah but not necessarily evil mm-hmm. that's it's it's motivated by motivated by a lot of factors yeah and you know like i just don't think it's you can't just deem it evil all the yeah. time and i'm just like no you're you're taking a little too do i think it's fucking weird do i think this might i might think this is wrong mm-hmm. it's, it also even boils down to the discussion of how like to me it's the same as like sometimes in the law like not everything that's legal is moral and not you know like things like that it's it's the same way that like just because something is one thing doesn't mean it's necessarily this other thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's. There's been lots of things that have been legal that have that not been, been moral. moral. Exactly. Yeah. And in the same vein, looking at this and at the point that you're making too, how many things that are n- negative have been pushed using the Bible as their basis? Yeah. There's been examples of that throughout history. So this idea that like if it's based in this, it's going to automatically be moral and good doesn't make That's sense. That's not true either. Whether yeah. it's the law, whether yep. it's the Bible, whether it's whatever it is, whatever piece of text that you are trying to put it up to, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's moral. Exactly. Uh, he also specifically states, just reminding you of this part since we've kind of gone off, when he says, or sacrificing oneself to serve the Lord, yet if these actions are not motivated by genuine love, they fail the test of being good. So think of the stress that creates in a person with an IBLP. If they don't feel completely joyous to be doing some sort of service, it's actually evil. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, which takes me back to Jill in the episode when she said, it's a joy and it's really neat. When referring to the homemaking skills and like such. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that isn't specifically about service to the Lord, but it is about service. But it, it's also connected to obeying authority. So remember that fa- always factors in too. <laughs> but those were just two examples and not a comprehensive list. Because mm-hmm. remember, this applies to everything in life. That is what he right. says. Everything. So my point is, you can see where they're made to feel like they must be absolutely joyful to do anything. Anything less would mean that you're, you're you're not motivated by genuine love. Right. Anything less than beaming would be selfish. And both those things equal evil. Yeah. It's wild. Going back to like using that as an example and going back to kind of my other point, the other, the other side of the coin of that is that you can't say that something based off of these things is automatically moral. You also can't look at gray areas and immediately say this is evil. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I think, no, it, it totally goes both ways. In that right, in it, that there, you know yeah. what? Sometimes if you're if you're doing something for community service or you're helping your church or you're doing it, you know what? Two things can coexist. Mm-hmm. You can want to do it and also physically be like, you know what? I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean that you're evil or you have an evil heart. It means that. 
you're tired and you don't want to do this today, (laughs) but you're going to do it because you know it helps. You know what I mean? Yep. So sometimes that is an example of where the end thing matters kind of more than the motivation. (laughs) Like, you know, like, or, Mm -hmm. or whether you want to be there, like, Mm -hmm. you know, more than anything. So another reason why he states that the concept of gray areas is false is because, quote, gray is a mixture of darkness and light and therefore would not qualify as a part of God's realm. In fact, God condemns any darkness and exposes the reasons that many are attracted to it. He also says God himself is all light and has no darkness, including gray in him at all. So Mildred's I mean, that tells you right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Mildred, you do have darkness and light in you yeah he's so cute (laughs) she'll do something naughty and when you'll be like but she's so cute but she's so cute (laughs) right now she knows we're talking about her she just lifted Mm -hmm. her head a little bit with her pinchy eyes i love it when they're pinching their eyes so hard closed but they don't have eyelids so they just have to pinch (laughs) love it oh our little gray area i love that little gray area All right, and he's coming for us, Tim. Uh Uh-oh. We, being believers, and there being a time and a place for gray areas, he has this to say to us. I'm ready. We're those types, you know. Those who insist on gray areas tend to be offended by those who would question whether something is right or wrong. Accusations of being holier than thou and legalistic are natural responses especially if the one evaluating various activities does not exercise extreme gentleness and humility. Do you see how he's giving built-in responses here? Oh, yeah. If if anyone were to ever to say to one of his followers, like, hey, have you ever considered these teachings might be legalistic? They might remember this and be like, well, I mean, he said gray people would think oh, that. Mm-hmm. Like, gray is evil. And of course, evil, of course, evil thinks we're legalistic and holier yep. than thou. They don't understand. Yeah. He, he said they would say that. Yeah. Getting ahead of it. That's all yeah. it is. Oh, mm-hmm. Getting ahead of anybody questioning. Exactly. He he also thinks we're, we're immature, Tim. Get in line. <laughs> Saying, quote, Spiritual maturity is based on discerning good and evil, not reasoning over gray areas. I believe quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think being able to see the gray at appropriate times actually speaks to maturity, but mm-hmm. you know. Human beings like to put everything in a box and they like everything to be neatly organized. So the idea that everything is black and white is really enticing to the way our brains work. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it leads people to not be able to see like idiosyncrasies and like the little details. Because if you don't see any of the gray area and or you refuse to look at it, you're also refusing to look at like details of both sides. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you can't make an informed opinion or make an informed decision about something if you're not willing to look at a lot of those little aspects. Yep. And I've, it it feels like they're just trying to take every situation put a nice neat bow on it and be like, yep, it's done. And then dust their hands off and walk away and be like, I never have to morally consider this again. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And the bow colors and that neatly wrapped up little thing, only black or white. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Okay. Here's where we get into some really interesting stuff. Are you ready for this? Quote, 
even created objects are good or evil, not amoral. Which we know. We read all about the Cabbage Patch dolls. <laughs> so he says that when God created the heavens and the earth and dolls, <laughs> that everything was good, but that man is able to take what was good and make it evil. I mean, there's no denying people fuck everything up. I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know. Um, he says, for example, quote, a tree is good. However, when people take a tree and make an idol out of it, then it becomes evil. Here's the thing. <laughs> I have some feelings about this. Okay. <laughs> Just for argument's sake, let's say I, I believe this idol is indeed evil. I don't have a whole thing about Anyway. Okay. Let's okay. just say I, I believe it is evil. Okay. Okay. But I feel like that's the idol, not the tree. It feels like yet again, another big stretch for him to just a way for him to give some example of how a tree could somehow possibly be evil. <laughs> it's it's no longer about the tree though, bro. Like it yeah. would be about the idol. Yeah. But he had to find a way to to prove that a tree can be evil. Right. <laughs> it's cr- I, I Every time you say evil in this, I either think of Dr. Evil from Austin Powers or do you remember that you remember that video of that little chipmunk that was on the Japanese show, and then it turned around all quickly, and it had like the eye, oh like, yeah, the yeah. Eye up. <laughs> and it was the original one where it turned around, and it was the bum bum bum. That's what goes through my head when you say evil. FYI, good to know. So, so evil trees. He well, here we're not done with evil trees. He keeps it coming with the evil trees, <laughs> saying, "Quote." A fig tree would certainly qualify as an amoral object to those seeking to establish such a category. The fucking sass. He's like, oh, for those of you that have to have that category. (laughs) Yet when Jesus came to a fig tree expecting fruit from it and it had nothing but leaves on it, he cursed it and it withered from the root because it did not fulfill the the good function for which it was designed. So our tree in the backyard is very evil because it is no longer producing Oh, fruit. yeah. All evil. <laughs> this last summer killed everybody's fucking trees. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so, surrounded by evil trees. Yep. I'm going to be side-eyeing every tree I pass from here on out. I swear to God. Are you evil? Uh, yeah. Are you one of the good ones? Are you one of the evil? <laughs> Palm trees? Good. And I'm not saying definitively, but I'm thinking that they're evil. But I think Palo Verdes are sus. You know? This feels like this would be some sort of like BuzzFeed um, test you would take. Or it would be like, <laughs> are your trees evil? I know. Um, or what about that book, The Giving Tree? <laughs> Ooh. But, but what, does it want to give? Ex- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> was it motivated by genuine love or was it selfish and evil? Uh, oh, man. Did it really want to? <laughs> We'll have to get Shell. Shell, if you're listening, that's he's, the Arthur of that book. He's not. Shell Silverstein. If you're listening, we he's, have some questions about the dead. giving tree. Okay. <laughs> I need to know where that sidewalk ends. He could be listening with Bob Barker that's at true. the showcase showdown. Yeah. At the judges' table. We have <laughs> yeah. a lot to discuss. I loved where the sidewalk ends. I loved that book so much as a kid. I thought the wordplay was good. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah started my love of puns it, you know that's a good point that's a very good point it was a book of dad jokes for six-year-olds you know <laughs> right? what I mean? yeah. 
Like, that's what it was. It was awesome. That's true. I didn't even think of it that way. So, um, but interesting though, right? This whole thing about objects. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, this next one is is also interesting because it could apply to old Billy G himself. Uh-oh. Quote, iniquity, which I remember always thinking that the word iniquity was very like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, it sounds like it's supposed to. Like, iniquity. Like, it sounds bad. You know what I mean? Like, sin. You're like, like, people might like, sin. But, like, I never thought of sin as being, like, that. But I'm like, iniquity. It's, it matches up in its, in its vibe. Okay. Iniquity is doing our own will even when it looks good. Preaching the gospel, casting out demons, and doing many wonderful works would certainly seem to be commendable. Yet these good works will one day be condemned if they are not done by believers acting under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just saying something to consider, Bill Gothard. Do you think you're acting under the direction of the Holy Spirit? I mean, he thinks he is. He does. He does. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. So is this saying that two people could do something good? But if one person was not motivated by their faith, it's not good. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, I guess. Like, that's how I took that. Like, if you had two people that were doing a same, let's say it was an unselfish act to somebody who needed help. Well, this is more specifically about preaching, casting out demons. Oh, okay. Oh, it does say doing many wonderful works. That's what I was thinking was I was like, if they looked at it and there was two people that did the same unselfish act to help somebody who needed help, but this person was part of their organized religion and this person was not, is that person evil? That's, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a way to take it because are they under the direction? Are they just doing the good act? But then does that refer, refer back to ultimately it's, it's good because they're doing it under love, but it's just not from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was one of two factors. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing it under the other factor, genuine love, are you covered? We don't know. Anyways, I just wanted to just interesting because I'm like, I feel like you fall under this one, but he, he mm-hmm. thinks he's in the clear, so it doesn't matter. And how earlier um, we were talking about how calling everything not good evil is mm-hmm. kind of extreme. Well, you know, he's got an answer to that as always. He says that the scripture reduces all things to good or evil, and it's not just him. Oh. Saying, quote, a study of scripture will reveal how all areas of life are summarized in the classification of good or evil, not gray and amoral. And he gives several examples, but I'm just going to just going to name a few. Okay. So first off, uh, the man's obsession with evil trees <laughs> continues. So he's, it says two types of trees and fruit, good and evil. Quote, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, nor ne- neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye bring, bringeth evil speaks good things? 
being evil. I, you know, verily, like, verily oh. is what went through my head as you already said. I saw your eyes start to glaze over. I know. Yeah. I only even included that one because it talked about trees again, but it was so long. Normally, I wouldn't have picked it. The man's obsessed with trees. He's fucking obsessed with trees. God. Uh, Next one. Two types of childhood behavior, good and evil. Mildred, pay More. attention. <laughs> I know this. The, hmm, think about your actions lately with that counter surfing. <laughs> it says, moreover, your little ones, bingo square, <laughs> which ye said should be a prey and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not even going to give like the script. I don't care. It's like, that's deuter, <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Um, two life patterns of a wife, good or evil. She will do him good and not evil in all days of her life. All right. Yep. Two categories of treasures in the heart, good and evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Ugh. Even saying it's all. This is rough. <laughs> Yeah. If a tree's bad and it does that, then it's bad. And if it's not bad, then it's not bad, which means it's good. <laughs> that's how. That's what I heard from the last <laughs> and, like. And every once in a while, they bring it forth and ye. <laughs> <laughs> they bring it forth and ye. Uh, well put, verily. <laughs> okay, so while I can agree that all these verses do in fact contain the words good and evil <laughs> in them. I still do not agree that this somehow proves that all areas of life are summarized in the classifications of good or evil only. Mm. So those are my thoughts. Yeah. All right. So I am done referencing that IBLP document. And now I want to switch over to the book, A Matter of Basic Principles, Bill Gothard in the Christian Life by Don and Joy Vino and Ron Hensel. You may or may not recall that this book was one of the sources back in my first dig of season three, the big dig about the IBLP scandal of 1980. Mm -hmm. And I the do... The agent. <laughs> yeah. I do still anticipate that at some point I might dig into the authors and the book itself on its own, maybe down the road. But the book is a breakdown of Bill Gothard and IBLP's teachings. Now, the thing about this book is I agree with many parts of it, but I also disagree with it with a good chunk as well. Because as they break down IBLP's teachings, we're all pretty much in alignment that Billy G is spewing some bullshit, right? <laughs> like we, <laughs> there's definite common ground there. Yeah. But sometimes when then when they follow up with their own interpretations of things, I'm like, mm, I kind of still don't agree. Like mm -hmm. even with your interpretation, but that's fine. We don't have to agree on all of it. Doesn't matter. Um. But even so, I I still think their book serves well as a resource because it is very well cited. Mm -hmm. They have the little numbers next to everything broken down, you know, in the back then by chapter with all the little numbers. Very well done in a way that I wouldn't necessarily have expected from this type of book. Because this book isn't like, we're not a, you know, this isn't a textbook. <laughs> like, right, right. Like, it's, it's just a book that these people wrote. But it's very well uh, cited and serves as a great resource in the sense that it cites the original IBLP texts, some of which I have and, and am able to look up on my own, mm -hmm. and some of which I don't, which I'll touch on in a little bit. 
So chapter six of their book is titled A Black and White Gospel for a Colorful World. You don't like color. (laughs) And the chapter is just as you'd expect. It's breaking down his teachings of black and white thinking. A little background first about the authors. Don and Joy Vino are the president and vice president of Midwest Christian Outreach. While Ron Hensel serves on their board as senior researcher. Midwestern Outreach, uh, Midwest, I said that wrong, Midwest Christian Outreach focuses on researching and speaking on um, unbiblical beliefs, cults, false religions, spiritually oppressive groups, and more. Um, so you can kind of see where, where like, there's the parts where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd agree with that. But then sometimes when they talk about biblical versus non-biblical, I'm like, mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so on their website, they have a journal and Ron wrote about Bill Gothard. That led to Ron having a phone call with IBLP's director, John Stevens. And during that phone call, Ron said, quote, What bothers me most about Bill Gothard and his teaching is that to him, everything is good or evil, either right or wrong. Bill read that article and heard what he'd said to John Stevens and did not take too kindly to it at all. I believe it. He was so bothered by their criticism of his no gray policy we have mandatory gray policy in this house (laughs) as i sit here in pet mildred so he was so bothered by this he invited ron to meet with him to discuss it noteworthy to mention that he requested don not come so even (laughs) though ron wrote the article it kind of feels like he's got bigger beef with don Mm -hmm. maybe because he's the president of the outreach i don't know i'm just guessing at this point but yeah don't bring him So Ron did agree to meet with him, and Bill presented him with a rebuttal to their criticism titled, A Response to Antinomian Rationalism, which, shaking it back to the beginning of this dig, he means this as a sick burn. Like, basically, he's saying, you don't even care about morals. It's definitely meant as an insult. This is his diss to Ron. It is. So they touch on Bill calling them this, saying, quote, it appears to us that for some reason he was not satisfied with simply calling us antinomians and felt the need to to add in rationalists for good measure. As if to say, and not only that, but you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. <laughs> their, funny. their writing cracks me up sometimes. It's pretty good, yeah. Like there's a couple of times in their book where I'm like, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got a funny writing style at points. Yeah. Like I, that is something I enjoy is that they don't take it too ser- they don't take themselves too seriously there, Correct, there is yeah, some yeah. like little jokes and stuff <laughs> apparently he originally threatened to public which is taking it back obviously that's how we like dissecting this stuff too so that's why i appreciate <laughs> it because it's like yeah. eh, throwing some humor here and there mm-hmm. so apparently bill originally threatened to publish this response letter on iblp's website if they didn't take down their articles about them about him on their website <laughs> but despite this threat, Bill never did post it online. Ron and Don said he only distributed it in print form, but they don't say where and to who it was distributed, and, and I couldn't find it myself. Okay. So like I mentioned earlier, they cite well throughout their book, and most times I can look it up myself, but in this case I couldn't. This rebuttal is the source for most of this chapter pretty much. Mm-hmm. But considering it was written written to them and about them, 
Um, and they're really good with their citations being accurate. I'm inclined to believe that what they quote from this letter is accurate as well. Right. Especially because 90% of it mirrors the text I presented earlier from that IVLP document. And what we haven't already heard sounds very on par for Bill Gothard. So none of it sounds fishy at all to me. Right. So in this rebuttal letter, Bill said, quote, however, when it comes to basic morality, there are no gray areas that are off limits for biblical examination and judgment. God has established only two classifications, good or evil. He does not allow for gray areas or amoral activities that are determined by culture, tradition, or personal tastes. One day, every deed will be judged as either good or evil. Which I know, um, that was end of it. I know that's rehashing what I went over earlier, but I wanted to highlight how it is unwavering as he doubles down on this and that mm. it lines up with everything we've already heard. Right. So back to this meeting between Bill and Ron. Sounds, no Don. <laughs> say, what'd you say? No Don. <laughs> yeah, no Don. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds to me like because of their research for Midwestern outreach, Ron had actually been to Bill's office a couple of times before. Bill had even lent him basic seminar videos in the past. And this part is actually in their citations. They they cite, like, why he'd been there before, like, in their citations. Um, so, like, he lent them videos of the basic seminar. And I assume was a way for them to research, you know, IBLP because that's what they do in this right. outreach or whatever. So this leads me to believe that this adds to why Bill is so pissy about all of this. Not only because they're criticizing his teachings, but because he probably can't wrap his head around how they don't get it. Like, <laughs> I'm sure he assumes that anyone who watches a seminar is just going to walk out like an IBLP or. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. When you're in it that much, like, that's what you're, you're like, how do they not get it? Uh, and this is total side note, but like in their citations of talking about this, he was getting mad about something. And so like he called to find out like if Ron had finished or one of them had finished the basic seminar and they were like, well, I'm not quite done. I have a little bit more to go. And at the time they were working full time, had an infant and were also like in um, getting their masters or something. And mm-hmm. he got like all mad and he was like, was like, you haven't finished it. And like he wanted them to send it back because he was like mad that they hadn't <laughs> finished it. <laughs> but that's a side story. So because of all that, this is his third time in the office and Ron has taken notice of the dark red carpeting from all of these visits. And Bill actually had red carpet installed in a lot of his offices and training centers because I see it mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. But Ron used this carpet as a tool to question Bill's teachings, asking him, how did you choose the color of this carpet? What do you mean? Bill replied. If you had chosen green or blue or some other color, would those choices have been morally wrong? Was this the only righteous color available? (laughs) And get ready for Bill's response. Oh, God. Are you saying that the Holy Spirit can't lead us in the choice of carpeting? Ron said, no, I'm not suggesting that. But are you saying that there is no other choice that the Holy Spirit could have blessed? Are you saying that the choice of this dark red color was inspired by God? (laughs) Which means... um. Our bed that we talked about finally buying, mm-hmm. definitely evil. Yep. Because admittedly, I did not consult the Holy Ghost when I picked it out. Oh, 
I've been sleeping in that bed. <laughs> I'm hope. Did you consult the Holy Ghost before you ordered dinner? Otherwise, we have evil inside as well. Oh man, that's um, what that movie's about. <laughs> um, apparently, Bill did not answer Ron's question of whether there was any other carpet choice blessed by the Holy Spirit and inspired oh. by God. And Ron did not push it further that day because that's what I like. I love that approach. Is you're like, I did what I needed to do. I don't even have to push it. You know, you're like, I, it's done. What's I did it. But that's not the end of the carpet saga. Uh-oh. So this rebuttal letter that he first presented in their meeting as a scare tactic to get them to take down their articles about him. Mm-hmm. The letter presented that day was just the original draft. Apparently, it was much shorter back then, and it called out Don and Ron by name. Okay. But when the actual letter went to print, he took their names out. However, the letter had grown. <laughs> Mostly because this meeting had pissed Bill off even more, is what I assume. And one of those things that made the letter grow was the carpet story. (laughs) Bill wrote, quote, in an effort to push the discussion to what might be considered ridiculous. Our critic looked at our carpet and asked, is this carpet good or evil? Ignoring the fact that at the final judgment, God is not going to judge carpets, but people. But every decision... (laughs) and that red carpet there's no gray area for that red carpet no gray carpet yeah you know all these fundies that are painting shit gray because Mm -hmm. it's like they really should think about that yeah there shouldn't be any gray area nope but bill is wild he he writes that like ron is crazy to pose that question meanwhile you're teaching that literally everything can be reduced to good or evil you have a whole section of a document titled Even Created Objects Are Good or Evil, Not Amoral. But Ron is being ridiculous. Because of the carpet. Because of the carpet. Isn't carpet a created item? It indeed is. Somebody created it. Somebody did. And what's even crazier is after Bill is in a huff, saying obviously God will be judging people and not carpet, he follows it up with the line, quote, the following three tests can be applied to any decision, including decisions involving a carpet. Oh, my goodness. Now, this is where I'm bummed. I wish that they had put what comes next in their book because I want to know what the three tests are. And I don't have access to the I don't I've never found the Damn. the letter. So we don't know what the three tests are? I don't know. Are? I don't know what the. And earlier, I want to remind you that earlier he said there were two factors to making mm-hmm. things good or evil and that was the holy ghost or spirit and your motivations but this states tests not factors and it says three not two so i just really wish that they'd included that in their book so i would know what to do before i call up express flooring mm-hmm. today express flooring is the best <laughs> I call know 800 <laughs> express it always gets really loud <laughs> yeah I made her jump. Did you see her? <laughs> Poor baby. I'm sorry, Mildred. I'm on a personal level. I'm just I'm just more of a Empire fan myself <laughs> today. Eight hundred five eight eight two three hundred Empire today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love a jingle. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I'm bummed about that. I'm like, God, why I can't I? Know. I, I know. Like, I'll, I'll, I tried finding it, but I really couldn't. But I'll keep looking if I have think to. Think about the, think about the content we could create because I could just create reels of you making Carpet. very mundane decisions, <laughs> but going through the three tests yeah. to figure out if you made the right one. Yep. Man, we could spend so much time at Lowe's looking at carpet samples. You know, it'd be me at the grocery store looking between cats up and ketchup. And then I have to do the three the, the three steps. things, good yeah. or evil. But what happens when you have more than two <laughs> options? Oh, my God. Think of how long you're going to be in the store. Oh, yeah. Because in my head, it's me holding both of those, looking at one after the other. Sweating. And then, yep, dramatic music. And then you hear the thing come over. Just a reminder, we are going to be closing in 10 <laughs> minutes. Right? And then I get even more worried. Yep. So that was the main thing from their book that I wanted to share. It's it's a great story because they they really ruffled his feathers with that one and I enjoy it. If anybody knows what those three tests are, let us know. <laughs> no. Um but I did want to close out talking about their book with two things they they said that I particularly enjoyed. They also use Bill's obsession with evil trees against him. <laughs> so again, I went in order and I was like, god, they brought up the trees too. So it's like it all just they took notice to the to the repeat tree. Uh <laughs> content they went out on a limb there so um rem- <laughs> that, took, that took me a i was like i didn't get a response damn <laughs> it's because i was looking at where i was in the document and so it took a second uh. sorry <laughs> remember how when in the text bill gave a bunch of examples of how everything is reduced to good or evil and gave mm-hmm. biblical examples well um like i said i was really glad i just out of all of the ones listed i'm glad i used the tree and the bad fruit ones because Ron and Don say this in their book, quote, most of us know that Jesus was comparing false teachers to trees that produce bad fruit when he said, ye shall know them by their fruits. Well, we've been hanging around Gothard's tree for several years now, and the fruit we've seen is not the kind you want to write the folks at home about, except maybe to warn them. Snarky. So <laughs> what they're saying is that that story originally was a metaphor. Yeah. And old Billy G over here is saying that trees can be evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it, it, and on that accord, they're like, well, you're the evil tree is what they're saying yeah. because of like. Yeah. Yeah. You're missing the metaphor yeah, exactly. and the metaphor is commenting on you specifically. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Uh, not so much about the talk, trees. It's about, about people. Talk about missing everywhere. Yep. And um, finally, I, I enjoyed this quote. The fact that people are able to detect shades of gray does not mean that they are unable to detect black and white. The ability to distinguish shades of gray is actually based on the ability to distinguish between black and white. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to tell if one shade of gray were darker or lighter than the other. So, but I'm like, it's true. Like, he makes it sound like black and white means, or seeing gray is like you can't see other one. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not the case. Correct. To find the gray... You're evaluating black and white to mm-hmm. find gray. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, so the reason I found this topic so fascinating is because it reminded me of the adoring gaze, which I know that I use, I bring up that example a lot because it's because it's truly is one of the first things when we started this podcast where I remember going like, holy shit, it's taught. Mm-hmm. and not just learned behavior. Yeah. 
Like it blew my mind that there was literal text telling women to gaze and smile at him while he talks. So he feels good about himself mm-hmm. and other people take him seriously. And this is kind of like that for me again. Obviously, their teachings are very legalistic. But, you know, great people like me would say that. <laughs> um, but their teachings are legalistic, which goes hand in hand with being black and white. So when people are taught in black and white, you're like, okay, they learn to think of everything in black and white. Mm-hmm. So you see the connection of how it would become a learned behavior. But I felt like it took it such a step further to find actual documents literally saying there is no gray. There is only black and white. You know, it just takes it to a new level. Yeah. At the top of the dig, when I talked about the core of this teaching, the part that talks about how you should glorify God in all things. That's not unheard of. It's very typical. Something you hear a lot in Christianity. And on its own, that's not inherently bad it should just mean like living like a moral life Mm -hmm. um now i know i have differences of opinions to what others might deem moral versus immoral or how that can get weaponized to make people think it's okay to rail against other people's beliefs and the decisions they make for the sake of their own for their own glorifying of god is what i mean not even Mm -hmm. just having a difference in opinion but they're like well because i'm glorifying god i have to like you can't do this, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I digress. At its core, it should just be that a person lives their life in a way that God would be proud. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. But per usual, Bill Gothard has taken something that should be good and makes it nuts. Go figure. I feel like taking it to the point where literally everything in life can only be good or evil is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's not even so much the gray things in life that take more thought and nuance and dissection. That, that That's not like really what gets me because we're, we already know damn well that they can't do that. <laughs> like we're used to it at this point. Like that's, yeah. that's typical. But what struck me the most was the insistence on a, the like absolutely insisting on assigning even the littlest, most mundane things in life as good or evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, he listed off everything, even recreation. So it's, is the Duggars, like, you know, is playing broom ball good or evil? Ooh. Were you led to play it by the urging of the Holy Spirit? Are you playing for genuine love or selfish desires? True. You know? Mm-hmm. So which broom ball talk actually leads me into my next point. Think of the anxiety that this these teachings must create if literally everything in life is reduced to just good or evil that would stress some people the fuck out mm-hmm. and people is ginger dugger for example mm-hmm. taking it back to her book remember how she mentioned being scared to go to broomball because she thought she might get in an accident or something on the way because god thought she should be doing something different mm-hmm. and then her parents are like there there little ginger of course you can play broomball like you know <laughs> like like they're not raising her in an environment where everything and every decision you make is a terrifying choice between good and evil. Mm-hmm. But just there, there, <laughs> it's fine. And I feel like I reference this part of her book a lot, but I feel like it just fits into almost every discussion. <laughs> yeah, it's referencing and this next part. Um, 
It's referencing cause and effect teachings saying, quote, it was comforting because it turned life into a series of deposits and withdrawals. This is the part I say a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, All I had to do was deposit the exact lifestyle Gothard advocated, and I would withdraw health, money, a wonderful husband, and a bushel of godly kids. But this cause and effect view was also terrifying because I thought I would experience devastating consequences for any mistake I made. Mm Mm-hmm. Like going to Broomball. (laughs) (laughs) I reference this because not only does it fit, but cause and effect in itself is black and white teaching. Mm -hmm. Because he teaches it like everything you do in life always ends up in good or bad. Mm -hmm. The same way that there's no gray in decisions or even objects. There is is no nothing after you do something. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no neutrality in anything in life. Nothing, right. nothing just is. Nothing is. Right. It's black or white, cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it over and over. Um, the good things in life are the result of you being obedient. The bad is the result of disobedience. Mm-hmm. Nothing is out of your control. You're responsible for all of it. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, which takes us, again, can take us back to what Ginger said. At first, that can sound great. You're like, cool, life is actually pretty fucking simple. Mm -hmm. I just do this and don't do that. Easy. I can do that. Um, I can make right decisions and I can follow the rules. But later on, you realize, like, it's not so easy when every decision you make, every object in your home, Mm -hmm. every piece of clothing... Tree in your yard. (laughs) Tree in your yard. Every recreational thing you do, when all those things are reduced to good or evil, suddenly it's not so easy anymore. (laughs) Because there's there's zero room for error. Yeah. Like everything is like just over a line. Mm -hmm. There's no room for error. And yeah, it's just one single decision out of a million decisions in your day can be reduced to evil. Yep. And... It's, you know, it's just, it's a real wonder why this poor girl feared for her life when she was in a car and drums came on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a real wonder. Yeah. How'd she get there? Because it was like, what are all the negative things that are going to happen in my life because I overheard drums? Yep. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and what I think is funny is I'm sure Lego and Cannon are kind of like, what are you so worried about? You're fine. You could, like, I bet if she, 100%, if she came to them and said we heard drums, I don't think they would condemn her for accidentally hearing drums. Mm -hmm. Her parents would say, honey, you couldn't control that. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way that playing broomball is fine. Of course you can play broomball. Because to them, it's easy. As the adults in the situation, you know, to say what is black and white, good or evil, like, they're just like, oh, well, no, no, of course you're fine. Yeah. And they don't, I don't think they really understand the fear and stress that it creates in other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't personally believe Lego and Canon ever feel these stresses. I don't think they're worried about themselves. Mm-mm. I don't think that they look at every decision and go, like, right. I don't think they do. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that they're, like, sitting there, like, oh, all the time? I think they didn't grow up in this. So I feel like, I feel like they're kind of just making it up as they go. You know what I mean? Because they, neither one of them had this when they were younger. And I think the idea of what their kids are going through are isn't necessarily a focus in their lives. You know yeah, that's I mean? absolutely true. 
And even if they do have moments where they go like, uh, for something, I don't think that they can even begin to relate to the stress that it brings a person like Ginger. Mm -hmm. So even if there is there, I don't think that they, it's not to that level. So I don't think that they can understand that. And I think that's where I'm going to wrap this up for today. It's fascinating. Black and white guys, no grays. You know what I do enjoy though? Black and white cookie. And Earl Grey tea. <laughs> yep. Yep. And yep. and I think the mindset like this is something that I struggle with in my personal life. Not me having that mindset. People I know that can't look at nuance and don't want to look at nuance. Like it's the idea of I don't want to look at that because it's going to cause me to reevaluate things in my life and I don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, I I have people like that. And it's hard to talk about certain things because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if it's not like a, we're having a spirited debate. Like, I feel like I don't even want to, I don't even want to approach certain subjects just because it's not worth. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yep. <laughs> that is very accurate. Um, I think for the next week, I'm probably going to walk around our house looking at things and deciding whether they're evil or not. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Be prepared. I'll probably send you pictures of some evil items in our house. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be ready for it. We have a lot of evaluating to do. This house is full of stuff I've never I've I never mean, given distinctions. I've never classified. My comic book room alone. Oh, full of evil. <laughs> and they're thin, so think of how many you've shoved into that room. Full of evil. Comic books, Funko Pops. It's going to be a mess. Yep. You want to dig on some shit? Yeah, let's dig on some shit. All right, go dig on something. All right. Well, this kind of came up last night, but mine's a little bit of a broad subject, but I want to bring up some specifics as examples. So I am digging on theme songs from the like the late 80s, 90s. And the reason why is because there was a lot of hot, hot. You mean TV show, right? I just mean oh, theme songs. Okay. And the reason why I'm kind of like a little bit more vague about it is because like last night we were looking through um, one of the streaming apps and it had a bunch of like the shows, the sitcoms that we used to watch when we were younger. And it was Family Matters and Full House and Step by Step. And I turned on one episode of each of those just to listen to the theme songs. Incredible. There's nothing like it anymore. Nope. Not the same. As days go by, it started off with the little do 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 the so piano. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news. And we had just watched Reginald Vell Johnson um, help save Nakatomi Plaza because we watched Carl, Die Hard. Carl Winslow is busy. <laughs> uh, so it's that one. Um, we. I, I don't remember the guy's name right now, but he wrote um, Step by Step, Full House, and Family Matters. So he's he was, busy too. He was the sound of a generation. He, uh, he's busy. The second time around. Second time around. But I do want to bring up two more things kind of adjacent to that. Okay. America's Funniest Home Videos theme song, Banger. It totally is. And I follow a couple podcasts that are from Australia, and they had Australia's funniest home videos. Exact same theme song, because when they say the red, white, and blue, it still works with the colors of their flag. 
The red, white, and blue, all the funniest things you do. Australia, Australia, this is you. Which is so funny because America. <laughs> and so, like, there's a very specific way. And so I'm yeah. like, oh, trying. I tried to do it as Australia, and I was like, that's harder because <laughs> yeah. I'm just used to. You're just used to, yeah. yeah. And then the last adjacent thing that I'll bring up is we were just talking about it right now. So here in Phoenix. When I was younger, like early 90s, the Phoenix Suns basketball team used to play on Channel 45. It was a local channel. And they used to play, and they had a very specific saxophone theme song that used to play when they were going to commercial and when the Suns games were starting. And then in like the mid to late 2000s, they had a different theme song that used to play kind of in those games. And then it wasn't on network. It wasn't on over-the-air TV anymore until this season. In this season, the Suns had a push where they were like, we want more of our local fans to be able to watch, and we don't want them to have to pay for streaming or do all this stuff. So they put them on over-the-air again, and they use both of those theme songs at different times. And it's just a wave of nostalgia hearing it. <laughs> and I know it, and I love it. So my thing I'm digging on this week is going to be 80s and 90s theme songs. So okay. if we put this up there, let us know what your like 90s and 80s theme songs that you have in your head, like that you remember, because there were some bangers. There were. God, it was good times. <laughs> Before I dig on my stuff, I actually have two stories that relate to your digging on. Okay. Family Matters. That's a banger of a theme song. Okay. <laughs> and back when Tim and I were dating, we were doing the bing bing. Do you know what I mean? We had Family Matters playing in the background. <laughs> and we were mid bing. And I suddenly said, Lara. <laughs> and we both just started cracking up laughing in yeah. the middle of said bing and wow. um it was a funny memory mm -hmm. and so like randomly we both just say Lara. <laughs> so that was one story mm -hmm. the other story is for our 10-year wedding anniversary tim and i went to san francisco first okay. for, for the first time 90s kids we had to go see the original full like the full house exterior shot house yeah so while we were there, um, we took a video of ourselves like singing the, <laughs> singing the song, and yeah. we're singing it, but we're also like, didn't want to be like those people like belting it out. So we're like right. also kind of be kind of quiet. Selfie we're, like, style. We're like yeah. we're weirdly like videotaping ourselves. And anyway, so I posted it on our socials and <laughs> stuff, and I remember thinking it was funny because a lot of older generation people that because you were tagged in it, so it was people from you and from me mm -hmm. were commenting on it and. Clearly, some of them didn't realize that it was, like, from something. And I just remember laughing because I'm like, did they think that we just, like, made this up in the streets of San Francisco <laughs> and we just randomly started singing it? I don't know. Uh, Maybe that's not much of a story, but I remember thinking that was like, funny. But I was just like, we didn't make this up. <laughs> and Whitney, Whitney hits the part, the scooby ba ba da well, I, Oh, she's that hard. I sing the, the lyrics and Tim goes... Boom. You do it very well. Damn right I do. Boom, boom, boom. He does the... Uh, yep. and he, so he does all of that <laughs> stuff while I sing the words. I'll post the video. I still have it. I'll post it's it. It's really good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, we we collaborate well on that song. Exactly. We each have our very specific mm -hmm. parts. And we, we it's a good collab, <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. <laughs> Shoo-ba-da-ba-ba-da. <laughs> 
<laughs> you woke up Mildred. <laughs> <laughs> this poor cat. She's like, God, here She's she goes startled. again. She's not hurt. She's just startled. Uh, okay. I am digging right. on a content creator by the name of Michael Threets. Okay. He is a fucking joy. Mm-hmm. He is a blight in this world. He's a librarian. Um, He's fucking awesome. He, well, he loves cats. He wears cat sweaters and cat shirts. It's funny. And a lot of times he'll talk to the camera and he's holding his cats like a baby. <laughs> I'm, oh God, what's the name? So one of them is named Machine Gun Kitty. Hey. I forget the name of the other one though. But he has all, of, if not all, most of his tattoos are library themed. Okay. He has Arthur Reed's library card tattooed on him. Damn, okay. I am a fucking Arthur stan. <laughs> I grew up on Arthur. Fucking love Arthur. And so he's very, he's so enthusiastic and so passionate. And even if he were just for the, the way that he spreads passion for books and libraries, that would be... That would be enough right there. But mm-hmm. he is just oh, a wonderful fucking human being. He's what this world needs. I almost made this whole episode. Um, I, I haven't cried yet, though. It was only barely. Um, he's just what this world needs. And so many people like are like, you're the new Mr. Rogers. They're like, you're fucking it. <laughs> he's just amazing. And he, just if anybody wants to follow him, I don't know. If he's on TikTok, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm the epitome of that meme that's like, I'm an adult. I'm a proper adult. I, um, I'm i on Instagram. So it's like, I, I don't have a TikTok. I'm on Instagram where I see it three weeks later like an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but on Instagram, he's Michael. So it's, his name is spelled M-Y-C-H-A-L. And then he does number three T-S. Mm-hmm. So it's like a way to spell out his last name. But he is a fucking gem. <laughs> Do you know him? Oh I've seen a couple God. things that you've showed me, but he's I... wonderful. Oh, I love him so much. He's wonderful. So that is my digging on okay. Michael Threets. You are a fucking treasure on this planet. You should cross post some of his stuff. I will. He's post wonderful. Couple reels. There's a lot of garbage people in this world, and then you see someone like him, and you're like, see, you almost made it. <laughs> almost. Damn it! I really was almost going to make this entire fucking episode. We oh, were, why we, does social media make me cry? <laughs> Fuck. Whitney and I were talking about, speaking of that, where you were like the the Mr. Rogers. Um, we were talking about like reading Rainbow at work the other day. Like I was such a huge star, still am, but a huge Star Trek Another fan. Another good opening sequence. Just the music. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, but like I would absolutely adore to meet LeVar Burton, but I feel like I would cry. <laughs> yeah, you would. Like I would bawl my eyes out. <laughs> you would. Yes, he would. Yeah. God, he's good. And see, he talks about that. He's like, I grew up with, and he, because he says library kids and library adults and library mm-hmm. people. But that's the thing is he talks about, it goes so much further. He goes into community. Oh, he's mm-hmm. just wonderful. But he was like, I was a library kid and I grew up with LeVar Burton and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> oh, and it's just like, oh, I'm like you're doing them proud. <laughs> oh, he's doing them proud. You're doing them so proud. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> And he just won one of the, um, like, Librarians of the Year Awards. Oh, he's just wonderful. Can't say it enough. There you go. Michael Threats. Yep. And 90s and 80s theme songs. Yep. Good <laughs> Goodins. All of it. Have anything you'd like to add? 
Uh, I don't think so. Mildred, do you have anything you like? She says, I have notes. <laughs> we used to talk about, real quick, before we do our, our close it up, we used to talk about how our old cat used to consider, she used to love football season, but it wasn't because of the football. She, she loved it because I would sit down a lot on the couch, so then she would come over. So we used to call it couch season. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mildred really enjoys um, our recording sessions. Because there's lots of warm laps to chill on for an extended period of time. She loves it. So she's real big into that recording. She was on Tim's lap and then now she's on my lap. (laughs) So, all right. Well, if you appreciate what you you hear and you'd like to support us, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug. Check out our episode visuals and Mildred related content on Instagram at digging up the duggers pod. And if you'd like to send us any traditional snail mail, we do have a P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. And you know what? I have some advice. Okay. Watch out for evil trees <laughs> and consult the Holy Spirit with your next carpet choice. Mm, very good one. The only thing I have to say to close this out is butterfly in the sky.